There we go. Hello, my name is Theo Blackmore, and I would like to introduce my colleague and friend. Hi, hello, I am uh, Stephen Lee Hodgkins. And we're in very different places. As you can tell, I'm not particularly overly attired because I'm in the glorious south. I'm down near Penzance in Cornwall, whereas Stephen is in the grim north. <laughs> well, it's not that grim. It's actually very, very, uh, very beautiful. Um, so I'm in York and that is, uh, yeah, that is several hundred miles from you, Theo. It is. But our paths have crossed several times in the past. And so I thought we'd to kind of just set a bit of context we'll talk a little bit about how I know you Stephen and so I think the first time that we met was in 2007 at a Lancaster Disability Studies Conference because I was yes I think it was wasn't it yeah yeah I was studying for my PhD and you were studying for yours yeah and we both part, of doing a PhD, was... part of being in academia is going to conferences and presenting papers and so I presented a paper there um, you, what was it? What was the title of yours? No idea. The title of my paper. Yeah. Well, my PhD was all about a French sociologist called Pierre Bourdieu. Um, so I was interested in studying his methods, and he was interested in different kinds of capital, so social capital and cultural capital and academic capital, and how that affected feelings of disability was what I was interested in. What, what were you interested in? Well, I was uh, the time uh, I, I was interested in the way people talk about disability and the way they particularly disclose their identities around it, and then like how identity is managed by people, um, and also how that varies depending on context. So, like how activists talk about disability and meanings that surround that sort of thing and then also how policy deals with deals with it as well so that is uh that's where and i was with my co my late colleague barbara who um i'd worked with and actually i'd recorded a conversation with her about um um uh, disability that I used as a quote in my uh, in my PhD and in my paper that I was presenting at that conference and actually Barbara came with me so it was a little bit confusing for some people because there was the person who's and rather than just presenting the quote what I did is I played her recording of her voice so she was in the room and I was presenting and the thing she said was she says and she says that um uh the, I try and use my disability if that makes much sense. And that was the that was the the kind of key point I was uh, uh, used to talk about, which is kind of, you know, you can't talk about disability without it being assumed there's something negative about it. And that that's the dominant, you know, the dominant view of of disability being a very negative thing is very persuasive and while that might be you you that might be a lot of people's experience what's interesting is that you can't break free from that easily and talk about it in a different way right yeah um you know that's all very interesting i saw a podcast this morning actually and it's all about how 
some people are trying to change the term disability and some people are uncomfortable with the term disability and calling disabled people disabled people and they were talking about they were rejecting the idea that anybody would call them differently abled and it was mm. two disabled people one of whom was saying yeah there's no way you can call me differently abled and the reason why people use that is because they're uncomfortable around disability and uncomfortable around disabled people and those are non-disabled people who feel that way and try to use labels like that which is yeah. an interesting take on it really yeah totally totally i think that is um that is uh it it goes against sort of there's a there's an uh it goes against sort of common sense or like the idea of common sense that that is a possibility and yet that is just the the um you know the way we sort of kid ourselves or is a cultural values uh related to disability being um only a negative thing so anyway, this is a very light-hearted podcast, as you can tell, and uh, we just started at the breezier end of the conversation. Um, what happened for me was that I did my PhD and then finished, and then I left academia, and I found a job advertised in a newspaper, and the job was to work for an organisation called the United Kingdom Disabled People's Council um, on a project called the Disability LIB Project. The LIB stood for Listen, Include and Build. And so I phoned the number up to find out a bit more about Disability LIB. And the phone was answered by somebody who I didn't know. And his name was Eola. And I had a conversation with him saying it was the kind of stuff I've been doing for years. How come I didn't have this job? And I got into a big old sulk about it. And he said, OK, I'll get my boss to phone you. And I said, who's your boss? And he said, oh, his name's Stephen. And we then had a conversation, you and I, and I started working with you on that project for a couple or three years. Yes, that was quite interesting. That was looking at so doing, it was kind of a training support programme for organisations, for disabled people's organisations. And uh, that the Disability Cornwall is one, and there are lots all over the, all over the country. Um, and who are kind of unique in that they're you know they hold values that are about disabled people being included and uh getting the right support and challenging the the kind of negative views about disability and challenge speaking up and a lot of advocacy stuff so that's kind of how i got to know you i think because we would travel around the country together and meet up in milton Keynes and yeah Birmingham and Manchester and do conferences and talk at conferences but very practical conferences which was different from the academic conferences I'd been to so it wasn't yeah. people presenting papers it was people talking about their lived experience so people like your friend Barbara and lots of other disabled people around the country talking about how they were living their lives what they were doing how they got around these different systems that everyone has to deal with as disabled people and we were kind of part of that, which I thought was very invigorating and really interesting at a time that there really weren't, there wasn't that kind of infrastructure support for these kind of organisations, I didn't feel. Mm. So that was very interesting. So that was kind of how I got to know you. And then time passed and here we are. Now we're old and I've got no <laughs> hair anymore. But the reason that we're meeting up now is because it's the end of November in 2022. And 
the weekend ahead of us, there is going to be December, and part of December is December the 3rd. And December the 3rd is on Saturday, and that's the International Day of Disabled People. So I just thought I'd talk to you about that for a minute, or not talk to you about that, but hear more from you about that, because I think you know a bit about it, do you? Well, um, so I, I, I was thinking about this, and um, it... The um, in York, they are here. here is uh, York Disability Week, wow. the brochure. So, this has kind of been an uh, initiative, uh, and that the um, that is uh, Pete, who is the York's first and finest um, learning disabled Elvis impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that he uh, performing at an event we did a few years ago called York Disability Pride. Um, and so, so I think, so it goes back, it's got some history. So it's 1992 that the UN, I think, is that right? The United Nations General Assembly, yeah. they say they say that uh, 3rd of December is to be known as International Day of Disabled People or Persons with Disabilities. Um, and that and it's about kind of trying to promote understanding um about disability and then that and what's interesting with that is that they it's about um sort of it's about respect and dignity and independence i think rather than just uh so it's it's more about you know understanding and equality and inclusion than it is about uh sort of understanding um you know different types of disability type thing it's about in it's about inclusion and i think that that comes it comes on the back of there being uh prior to that lots of sort of activism and uh change for disabled people led by them themselves so uh culturally the, it it was on the back of um, the different ideas about kind of uh, how where disabled people should be supported in 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 the community or not and in and and in different parts of the world there are different people at different spaces and I think in the UK uh, this is just prior to the um, disability discrimination act and the valuing people white paper that kind of was pushing to close a lot of long-stay hospitals and uh, uh seg segregated uh living um like homes type thing you know it's interesting because the united nations as an overarching body does seem to be a kind of organization that you'd like that to happen in because mm. they would be able to spread the load and spread the power a bit so that there are countries in the world which are better than other countries in the world i saw a program on telly and i think it was last year or the year before anyway it was called the worst place in the world to be a disabled person and it was a presenter called sophie morgan who's a wheelchair user and she went all around the world and ended up in ghana she decided was the worst place and in Ghana, ideas about disability are very linked in with religion. So disabled people are taken to churches and people pray about them to kind of 
mm. getting rid of the disability. And if a woman gives birth to a disabled baby, the baby's taken down to the stream and left by the river for the night. Mm. And if they wake up in the morning and the baby's still there, it means the water spirits have left the baby for the humans. And that kind of understanding of disability is very different to the understandings of disability that we have in general in this country, which, you know, we are, we say a lot of bad things about this country and there are a lot of bad things and things do need to get better and things are not anywhere near equal between disabled and non-disabled people. But I think it probably is one of the better places in the world to live as a disabled person. Personally, yeah. I don't know how you feel. Um, well, I mean, I, they're, they're, you know, there's certainly a lot, you know, if there's certainly lots of, um, positive things if you kind of are comparing it globally and that is a you know that is a big challenge isn't it and it and it so so it's right that the UN should be promoting it everywhere and and um uh pushing those idea pushing ideas um forward about like you know how how people all people can be included in you know all aspects of sort of living and family life and work and learning and all those kind of things um i think as well that the the even within like you you know so you have different people have different views about disability even within the same community and so even just lots of disabled people are divided on many issues about kind of um you know learning like so uh, special education is a key is a key thing that can kind of divide people people believe that some people believe that certain support is better in a sort of segregated setting uh, whereas others believe you know people might more generally like it's about inclusion and you know you should just be able to go to your school that's closest to you and all that kind of stuff um and the, the i mean and and then also kind of around the issues uh, issues relating to treatments and and therapies and stuff like that you know so there are uh, and then kind of support as well and we've seen in the UK kind of some of the real the concept you know the tragic consequences you know where people taking their own lives on the basis of how they've been left to feel around sort of welfare benefit cuts and uh, you know tough sanctioning um, and getting much much worse now with the cost of living crisis yeah the numbers of disabled numbers of people who use food banks yeah mostly, mostly disabled people and, you know, the people with the lowest incomes are all disabled people, and the poorest section of the community is all disabled people. It's um, mm. horrifying. Yeah, and um, the the there's lots of uh, uh, so I, so, but if you think about some of the the gains that um, disabled people have made, uh, one example of kind of um how social care or independent living can be achieved and works really well is around the uh the the provision of sort of direct payments and how uh 
with the right support, people can kind of live and participate uh, appropriately. And I and I think you know that that level of um, that aspect of policy and support has been kind of quite important in the UK's sort of his, uh, recent history of including disabled people better within the community and all the rest of it and supporting people to go about uh, their their everyday lives. Um, you know, it's an interesting idea, isn't it? The, the direct payments thing, I think, is, you know, brilliant. And but it's not universal and it's not universally applied and the whole local authorities all have different criteria as to whether you can be eligible for it and whether they in fact use it yeah. at local authority level. So some people, person A living down here in Cornwall might well receive it, but person B living in, I don't know where, let's make somewhere up, mm. you know, up in the north east might not be able to get it for some reason or other because of some kind of eligibility. But yeah. And, and the local authority finance as well. Yeah, and the support that exists within the community that um, people uh, have access to in order to support them to because using direct payments not an easy managing a budget is not an easy thing, and so you you know you've the, the, where there are supportive organisations that know how to help people do these things. It, it can work really well, but that that provision is is also not uniformed by any means. And there's a lot of variability, you know, even within areas that are close, close across like London boroughs, just the support uh, for to, that kind of thing is really, really important. When I am um, a long time ago, when I worked in like an advocacy uh, service and that that kind of did some direct payment and uh, support as well and i remember the uh, the my manager marie she was asking we were talking about she was telling me about international day and this was about um and i think this might have been like the first time i'd really come across it and sort of understood stood the importance of it and she described it to me as as being like um you know it's about it's a it's a kind of a, a chance it's an event that you can use within your local community to um just profile uh and celebrate some of the kind of the great achievements that disabled people have have, have done and 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 by doing that you show the world a bit about how inclusion works and the value of that sort of thing um so so what so we we um so i've always been a kind of a fan of trying to market with something in various ways even if it's just a small a small thing like showing a film with some friends to watch or uh poetry is a you know is a great way to kind kind of get people to sort of share things about their experience um so i, I and one of the things that Marie said to me that sticks in my mind was was about this kind of issue of the direct payments and like how how kind of some UK people had really pushed for that idea and had got a local authority to to um, to kind of do something different about the support and if it in it and so so that's a real achievement to be celebrated what. Um, 
and and I I firmly believe that that kind of that you know it's one of many examples of things that is good to kind of remember um, about particularly around third of December. Yeah, I mean, disabled people very often are at the front of things and are pushing boundaries. You know, we're used to doing it. I often think this, we're used to doing it in all areas of our lives because, you know, you wake up in the morning and then from that point until you go to bed at night, there's things you're pushing against all throughout the day and you get a resilience from that. If it doesn't grind you down, you get resilience from that or you can get resilience from that and you can get a bit of a fight from that. And so you kind of get used to that in your daily life. Everything's a bit of a struggle. You know, I use electric mobility scooter and I've got a huge, great big, massive one that I use when I go out in the world. And when I go out in the world, suddenly I find that I'm doing something and I'm going from A to B to meet my friend and there's a load of steps in the way, so I can't get mm. past it. And so you get used to that sort of fighting and aggro in your life at all the times. And so when you come to our organisations, I think our organisations inherently have that kind of, sense of fight within the organizations because we the organizations are fighting even more against sort of social injustice and trying to you know level barriers and reduce barriers for everybody for individuals and for kind of dis disabled people as a group mm. and so there's a kind of strength in that i think in that sort of in those sort of organizations for that and so the international day of disabled people you know i'm a bit if you Google it, then it comes up with all sorts of different things. And one of the so you've got you can either get the International Day of Disabled People, you can also get the International Day of People with Disabilities, which gets my hackles up a little bit because there's that whole social model thing about you know moving away from those sort of terminology because that's a very medicalized understanding where people have the disability. Mm -hmm. So it's strange that there, there isn't a universal use of a term anyway across across the whole thing. Although I think that's to do with um, just like local cultures and and it and it, I have softened with my views about sort of how people, uh, you know, terms people to use. Although it can be it can be um, in it can be a sort of like a signifier to how people understand or where what people's values really might be about uh um you know definitions of disabled people or you know that 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 kind of thing um yeah language is a signifier yeah it's what it is isn't it the language reflects the way that we think so how I think we have to. I mean, I think one of the things, though, it is kind of. And uh, uh, your first point was about people just talking about different, uh, differently abled, and all these new, new terms, and or, or kind not new terms, but kind of things that people people are always looking for a different way to describe it. I think, and I think, sort of some of the, um, it is a challenge for kind of inclusion, like because if you kind of if we all free ourselves from labels then you know we see our similarities and you know there are many of them with all every across every, you know everyone can relate to one another i firmly believe and yet and yet finding ways to describe your own experience and sharing a, a sharing a kind of an identity um 
on the basis of being different from other people is is quite important and particularly important if you need to build community and uh, a voice to kind of try and bring about changes in things yeah creating an in-group and an out-group yes that kind of thing we're yeah, all in it together yeah uh, so, but then even within, I mean, I think one of the things that is um, people have kind of, that, present, that presents, that people are talking about, people are talking a lot about kind of the intersectionality and where people experience sort of multiple forms of oppression based on different back, you know, based on different experiences or aspects of their themselves um and i think that's useful in sort of trying to understand you know how diversity is and can be celebrated and you know appreciated but also um uh bring pe people people together yeah well it's quite we're quite a difficult group of people to bring together because it's we're so yes. big Yes, there are so exactly. many, B, there's so many of us, and B, we're all so different. So within yeah. the category of disability, you've got people like me with acquired impairments, things like MS and whatever it might be, using an electric scooter, people with learning difficulties, people with cerebral palsy, you know, there's a massive list. Yeah. Of, and it's quite a difficult thing to unite us all as a whole, as a cohort. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, that that kind of is... So as some of it as some of it's got right, then people can kind of just go off and do their own thing, and 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 they don't, you know, that 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 kind of might not um, that changes the 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 experience for people. It changes the 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 kind of connections perhaps that people have with with a with with um, a a group like disabled people like that is in that term so the international day of people with disabilities or disabled people has it has it worked does it has it achieved things are there big achievements well i think i think uh it that you know there's certainly a value in it and i, I think it certainly provides an opportunity for people to have conversations and to put on events and to kind of do stunts that might kind of, uh, you know, build build community, build awareness. Um, so and without it, I would never have heard about the, the your your Elvis impersonator. So yeah, <laughs> and he is very good. He is very good. Is. Yeah, um, and, and yeah. So that that, uh, but it is. But I, I think also when people hang on to so so in York there are. It, this year has been interesting because you've got some uh, some of the uh, there's been more attention by um, businesses to participate and to kind of think about. So so I know that kind of the the um, there's a few quite successful. I think one is successful hotel in the in the in the city that has actively promoted York Disability Week to its kind of. Um, within its venues and within uh, like staff group and stuff like that. Uh, and so who is it doing that? Is it a group of disabled people's organizations? That have got so it, it, so your, your disability week um, uh, 
came about after after a few years ago, me and some colleagues from York Independent Living Network got some money to organise an event and we called it York Disability Pride and it was like a bit of a cabaret. So uh, we had some, I think we had Lawrence Clark came and performed and then we had a a variety of other people. Uh, So the idea, he was like a sort of more national, had a national profile and then we had kind of local groups. So there was dancers and musicians and a play and then some poets um, and 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 um, and also Pete Elvis did a slot as well at one of the events as well. And then that that then um, uh, that then sort of formed into uh, a, a, a there was a kind of working group for that and that that developed because um, uh, sort of city it, to have a week and it, so York is full of kind of lots of different weeks here because of its profile so it has York Design Week it has the York Walls Festival and you know it's just full of it there's lots and lots I actually think probably anywhere that, that there's been a lot more attention around using these these events to within kind of community work or whatever to to profile stuff so so that so york has lots of different things that go on and um it also york calls itself a york declared itself a human rights city uh, a few years ago um so i mean some of that some some of that's all about population density isn't it because you're a city Yes, well, but it's not. We're not. Well, we've got cathedral, got a minster, we, or a cathedral, essentially. Yeah. So York is a city, whereas there's probably more people who live in Tower Hamlets than than live in York. So, I, uh, you know, that is uh, its its location. It used to be York. Used to be the capital. It was the capital of the north. Uh, so, you know, a long time ago. Um, but so York Disability Week was kind of very much about trying to um, uh, celebrate International Day and Disability History Month. So it was kind of a way to try and promote that. And then that turned into, oh, let's do a let's do a disability week. And, and that way you could then get, try and engage lots of other organisations to take part in it. So some of the things that are happening here this week are, look, so there are they're like there's like discos and then there's uh there are there's like sort of workshops and some of these are quite practical so there's driving with a medical condition so william merritt center is a member of driving mobility and they're kind of showing how it works which is kind of a bit of a useful thing because i actually know someone just recently who is is about to go through their a, a medical driving reassessment type thing um so there's that kind of stuff and then there's um a workshop on making your website digitally accessible um and then poetry yeah poetry for all and then something that i've been involved with is an exhibition of um 20 years of speaking up self-advocacy and learning difficulties a history of york people first in photos and easy read so this is a um a a, 
uh, photo text exhibition that is at the local library on these. It's a, it's a, it's um, there. There's forty panels with uh, the telling the history of York People First using a lot of their photographs from their archive. So some of them are of because um, they started, they came out of like a uh, sort of a day centre. So some of the images are of what used to happen in day centres. And then some of it is about um, uh, kind of getting getting uh, getting more active and people moving into their own homes and stuff like that. So uh, that's that's interesting. So there's a whole load of things there. So um, the, who it's run by now is that, so York is a human rights city and that they, so York Disability Week then uh, out of a previous event, what happened was that there was a forum, uh, York's Disability, same people's forum was established and then they and so they're connected to the human rights city and they run the york disability week now so it's uh it comes about from that it's quite amazing the amount of stuff that's going on there i mean I'm, i'd say i'm surprised about it i wonder whether there's similar amounts of activity going on elsewhere across the country I mean, I I yeah i mean in various places it depends on it depends on um like sort of who's around and uh, uh, and and the kind of the infrastructure of the local community. So I know that actually there's something. I don't know if this is linked to uh, the International Day, um, but the People's Museum in Manchester have just uh, done an exhibition on uh, history of disability campaigning. Um, so that that's that's just opened, I think. Um, and there's lots of there's lots of kind of uh, reference to campaigns and various stuff. That because at the same time, it's, um, of course, Disability History Month. Yes. Which, interesting, isn't a month like the 1st of November to the 1st of December. It's like something like the 16th of November to the 16th of December or something. Yeah. Uh, I and I wonder whether, because I think it was a disability in education initially... Um, Kind of a pro pro promoting uh, disability history month as a as a resource learning resource for schools and education. Yeah, yeah. So I think it might be to do with the school year uh, or the term times oh, okay. as to why it goes like that. I don't know. That is my that is my uh, guess. Because what's the name of the guy? Because there's he's that from organisation, doesn't he? Huh? I can't remember Richard, is it Richard Riser? Yeah, that's it, Richard Riser, who used to be, he used to be on the international panel at Radar back in the day, the Royal Association for Disability and Rehabilitation. So he was all flitting around the world doing all these meetings, mm. and he was the international committee for them. And he's now, I guess, doing the UK Disability History Month. I think there's a website, and he, he I think, he chronicles activities through that, doesn't he? That are taking mm. place across the country. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's another thing, the whole um, Disability History Month. It's something to to celebrate, you know, the history of disabled people in across this country and across the world, really. But yeah, it's a Disability History Month. Yeah. So it is um, it is. Um, it's really I mean, it's an important thing. It's all, also just thinking that disability has a history is interesting to 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 look at and i think that 
you know, the uh, museums and archives have started just being aware that history, uh, disability does have this kind of incredible history, really, and, and should be kind of paid attention to. I know that there was a there is a national sort of disability arts archive. Um, I don't know that that's the right name for it, but I, I'm aware that that that. But kind of, and, and then increasingly, you know, existing collections have sort of turned their attention to trying to understand what uh, what 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 they can see in their collections through a disability lens. Although it, you know, that's a it's an interesting interesting thing to um to 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 find because where do you look particularly because a couple of hundred years ago the terms we use today will be very different um and people sort of focus uh was completely completely different so you might not even know where to look for um for disability yeah I've always I've always been very aware that there isn't like a museum specifically devoted to it because I think you could easily fill a museum full of stuff. Mm. Um, this was the history is like you say it's changed and it's not even a case of a hundred years. There's terms you know you, that were around twenty or thirty years ago that just don't exist any longer. There's the national charity scope, which changed its name and was it ninety four or ninety five? And until that point, it was no, it was called the Spastic Society. And I remember when you worked at the Disability LIB project, I yeah. went up and saw the chief executive of the day. Yeah. And he had, in nice. office, he had a couple of the plastic figures that they used to have outside their shop. Of yeah. The little girl with the begging thing hanging out, holding out the new people yeah. got money in to collect money for disabled people. And then there was another organisation, the, the Action for the Crippled Child. Do you remember that? I always remember them. There's a little girl that you put money in the top of her head, I think. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, these things, we very quickly forget how, how, how quickly language changes over time. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, and those are attitudes, the way that we deal with disability. So we were all in, you know, back in the day, somebody like me with MS on a scooter, I would, you know, before scooters and before wheelchairs, that's like 1950s, even 1940s, I'd have been in bed mm. all day, every day. Yeah. I remember hearing Tanny Gray Thompson on the radio and she was talking about if you came back from the Second World War with a spinal injury and, you know, there were no wheelchairs around at that mm. time. So if you came back from the Second World War with a spinal injury, then your life expectancy was two years. Yeah. But life expectancy now is about the same as everybody else. So yeah. things have massively changed even within my parents' lifetime. Yes, Totally totally remarkable how much that you know different that and and also kind of with that increased life expectancy the um you know the numbers of disabled people have grown and grown and grown so kind of it might be that there's be a be be not not one day maybe if we keep going the right rate we're going may one day not be the minority <laughs> well we almost aren't are we i mean with covid you know, COVID was terrible. Like two thirds of well, more than two thirds of people who died from COVID were disabled people. Yeah. But then a lot of people who got COVID are now experiencing long COVID. Yeah. My mum's next door neighbour in Penzance. She's a nurse, a young nurse in her forties, and she got COVID, and she's she got it like six months 
eight months ago and she hasn't got out of bed ever since. She's just completely laid low by it. Yeah. Sort of that long COVID thing. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, and that's, uh, that's, um, you know, that's not going away, is it? Yeah. And I mean, watching all the terrible stuff that's going on in Ukraine and the Ukrainian war, and there's, yeah. you know, there's a giant machine creating disabled people, isn't it? It's just horrible yeah. what's going on over there. Yeah. But yeah, so the history of disability, it's, it's an ongoing story, basically. It's the idea around how does disability arise and how does it come from and the changing ways that it happens and the changing attitudes towards disabled people. Mm. Now, I always have it in my mind. I said it to you earlier. I think this is probably one of the best places in the world to live as a disabled person. It very much depends on who you are and where you're from and your background and your impairment and your income. So there's a really awful story on the news last week about a mum who has two children and she called local authorities, uh, called the social services because her oldest child, who's 10, um, was acting in ways that she didn't know how to deal with. And she, uh, she called the local authority just for some help. Hey, look, can you give me some advice? Can you give me some help? Um, what can I do in these situations? Because he's hurting his younger brother and he's blah, he's exhibiting lots of mm. behaviours that she didn't know how to deal with. And they said, we'll take him away for an assessment. And they took him away for an assessment. And the assessment was more than 100 miles away in a specialist hospital. And she hasn't physically touched him since. He's mm. in like a bed, in a, in a room with nothing in it but a mattress on the floor and a few toys. And that's it. And he's just left in there, locked up all day, every day. It's not good, is it? Horrible. And yeah. the whole thing about Winterbourne View and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So... You know, it, although this is a country where you can do things like live independently and can get direct payments, there's also a whole section of the community which is completely institutionalised. Yeah. So, well, that won't change any day soon. How cheery we are. Yes, exactly. Well, that's why you need to book um, Pete Elvis, our Elvis impersonator from your... No, but can you hold your book up again? Because I just think that's really worth that, that guide. I just think that whole notion about disability pride is something that I'm very interested in as an idea, and it's something that we need to start to develop more, I think, the sense of pride in ourselves and who we are and what we do and how we do it. Yeah. And uh, how that can be a positive impact on the world. Yeah, totally. And, and that, that is, it is a challenging thing to just to put pride next to disability because people don't necessarily find that an easy leap to make if you've had a lifetime of being criticized or undervalued or um or or you know sort of mocked and just left out left to be on the outside you know in 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 very subtle sometimes very subtle everyday ways that you know become you know massive massive uh, points of frustration yeah starting at a very early age starting with the education system yeah but and the pride is not and and so equally pride is just about being okay with it, just as it is, as it stands, without having to be a superhero or yeah. to kind of celebrate achievements. It's 
it's or not not you know like to kind of be oh you know despite this I did this you know uh, you know I climbed a mountain or whatever you know like just you know just making a cup of tea is a is a you know is a big step or you know those those things should be should be celebrated as well it's a fine line between getting um between sort of saying look what i can do but uh and isn't that wonderful considering my starting point but uh, you know like just just that i think that kind of um there was a tendency for for us all to want to see heroes i think and and that sometimes works against us because we can't be um we can't be we can't be normal we can't be regular citizens yeah that's what's difficult i think mm. we should have started this whole conversation and i didn't and i apologize by saying number one look at behind me what a mess Although <laughs> what you can see behind me there are my grandson's pictures on the wall and a uh, tractor i can see there of course you can see the tractor. What I can see behind you is loads of stuff hanging up and drawings and stuff. What's what do you do? What do you do with all of that? So well, I've been uh, I've I've been um, I, I I draw a doodle. I call myself a doodle, and so behind me are various um, various doodles that I'm working on. So I'm I, I, I'm uh, um, I, I did one recently. Let me show you. Just bear with me one second. Yeah, no, they're fabulous doodles. I saw your doodle that you did for the Alliance for Inclusive Education about the history of disability activism, and I thought that was great. Oh yeah, there's that one. Uh, there is, there is a um. I can't get it right. Just bear with me. Yeah, it's not great television. <laughs> great television, isn't it? Anyway, you get the idea. You, I can, yeah. I'll show you around like this stuff. Oh, brilliant. Look at that. So there's... Uh, they're in... So... so I am... Um, so, yeah, so that is... Uh, that, that's... that's uh, I, there's one on... Uh, actually, strangely... I really... Here's one about direct payments. Oh, okay. For a little workshop yeah. I'm involved in. This is the talking guide. Yeah. No, because I see I saw once I went to a meeting with you and I was sitting next to you and I saw your notebook. And my notebook is just full of scribbles and words, and your notebook looks like that. And it's really <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Different ways of understanding words and different ways yeah, of totally. understanding concepts. Yeah, totally. And uh and, and actually the 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 piece that I've just did done with York people first about the, the history, their history in an easy read uh, format is trying to trying to tell a story, trying to tell their story um, and, and their their achievements and the things that they they've um, they've made happen in the last twenty years and, and I hope that maybe we might be able to. Uh, Put some of their stuff into the the local civic archive because uh, they are an important group. But they're they're um, 
getting that, getting the, there's some work to be done to look at how archives can be sort of accessible, I think. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. And, and, um, and then I think like the, um, the, the, you know, like, and kind of understanding that, you know, in recent times, there has been a kind of a, more of a, an activist um, voice for disability. And that, that is, you know, all about the kind of, that is in, in part what the International Day of Disabled People is about, is about kind of profiling the human rights of disabled people. That's really neat because you've just ended the conversation, I think, in a really rounded way. So we started off talking about that and we kind of come back to ending up talking about that. Yeah. Um, that was brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. I really enjoyed having a conversation with you. Yeah, me too. And uh, I'll press the pause button and, we'll yep. and I'll contact you again maybe at some point in the future and we'll do it again about something else. Yeah, that'd be great. Nice one. Stay warm. Yes, you too. And uh, it's going to get really cold because it's about to be winter. Oh, this the yeah the real winter tomorrow, isn't it? It is. Good luck in good luck in York in the winter. <laughs> nice one. Thank you very much, Stephen. All right, mate. See you soon. Hasta la vista. Bye. Ciao.